Welcome back to Lost in Citations. Today's guest is Dr. Seiko Harumi from the University of London. Dr. Seiko Harumi, thank you for coming back on Lost in Citations. Thank you for having me again and to celebrate your third anniversary for uh, Lost in Citations. Congratulations. Yes. So we just, we wanted to record uh, not too long a conversation, but we're going to tag it on to an episode that was recorded a while back. Um, mm -hmm. And so we wanted to kind of touch base to, yes, release this episode as the third year anniversary. And this is citation 133. And of mm -hmm. course, um, uh, Seiko was the first guest. So we kind of talked about that in the conversation. And we talked about this. Is this an article or a chapter? That's it's an article. Up? Yeah, it's an article in the uh, journal called Applied Pragmatics. So uh, we, we have a great conversation about the paper, and uh, I think if the, the, there'll be links on the show notes for people to read. But uh, because we hadn't, we hadn't talked in a while um, since um, we recorded this, I just wanted to kind of, yeah, I thought it was cool to, to release it as, as kind of the third year anniversary. And then mm -hmm. also to, to say that, uh, yeah, thank you. You are, you're currently uh, my, my PhD advisor, so it's... <laughs> Yes, it, it's very interesting. I, I actually listened to our first episode yesterday, <laughs> just to remind me what we talked. And the I I have a couple of questions to Jonathan before uh, I talk um, with your uh, my article. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. So um, this I will be the um, the um, the guest, which counts as one hundred thirty three. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And and the um, I, when I listened to the uh, the recording, uh, you explained why you started this podcast, and then the one of the reason that you when you do a reading, you your approach to the citation sometimes you get lost, mm. and uh, you mentioned that uh, sometimes you you feel that you're uh, reading too deep. Or, or you're not sure how much you can sort of expand your reading list. Um, but uh, since you started this uh, the Rostin Citation podcast, do you think your approach to citation changed? I'm just curious. Yeah, I think I, I think it's easier for me for me now. Mm -hmm. I, I don't get as lost. I think before I was kind of thinking about that. That's a good question. I, I think the process for me when I was doing a lot of research uh, three years ago, it mm -hmm. just seemed very impersonal to me. Mm. And it, it was hard. Maybe it's easier for other people to do reading. But I think mm. now that I've to, I've talked to people and I when I almost when I read their papers, I can hear their voice. Mm -hmm. And it's the whole the whole reading process became a lot more humanized, I would say. Wow, that's uh, great. Yeah. So for and then and then also the idea of is when, when someone's going to come on the podcast, I definitely read the paper much differently mm. because I know I'm going to be able to to talk to them. So mm -hmm. I guess over time, mm -hmm. I think I read papers like I'm going to talk to the person. Mm. Uh, I just yes. gradually have 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 sort of taken that style. Um, so yeah, it's it's a little it's a little easier it's a little easier now that I've mm. I've talked to so many nice people. Yeah, well, that's interesting to to listen, um, because uh, as I also you we are in, interviewed by you, and then they I wa I was wondering how these interviews will uh, help you or other people, <laughs> and for the uh, research uh, activity. So it, it's good to listen, uh, hear that uh, your uh, change. We well, yeah. and we've we've got some feedback over over the years yeah. that people have appreciated the episodes as sort of like motivating. Mm -hmm. Because we always try to ask people, you know, what what some advice or uh, just just hearing from from people and uh, yeah, I, th I think it is motivating for people, mm -hmm. and I think people like like listening about especially things that that maybe aren't necessarily in the paper that contributed mm -hmm. to the paper. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, I think same thing maybe uh, works for the author because when you write it, of course, we have a message to deliver. Um, but we're not sure how it's uh, sort of accepted. Of course, you see that some citations later on, but I think uh, to talk to some some of the people who, who read your article, it's actually quite interesting experience. So thank you very much for creating this opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's been 
it's been great. I'm going to have to, I don't, maybe you haven't listened to a recent episode, but we kind of talked about, we're going to cut down on the amount of interviews that we, we, mm-hmm. we do. I think in the mm-hmm. conversation that we re- recorded a while back, uh, we were still talking about how we were doing it once a week, but mm-hmm. um, we're going to cut it back to once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty busy doing a lot of reading and, and the, the reading that I'm doing is a very sort of, I don't know, niche research interest. Mm -hmm. So there's less people for me to talk to, to be honest, you know, the, the the world Mm -hmm. of silent research isn't so big. Mm -hmm. So there's, I think over time that, that kind of makes sense. So over time there might be less and less interviews that I do Mm -hmm. and it'll just be, but actually, um, I, I talked to the 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 woman who wrote the paper about the veil of silence. I was able mm-hmm. to talk oh, to her. That's good. That's good. That's which great. was great. Yes. So yeah. um, I think it's going to be one of those things. If we talk, if we catch touch base in another three years, mm-hmm. I, I think maybe the number of interviews go down, mm-hmm. but it would still be the, the the goal would be the same. You know, you read a paper that you really like and. You, you mm-hmm. really want to talk to the person because mm-hmm. I, I know even before COVID, I, I liked being a part of some of these groups where you would read a paper together. You know, I think yeah, people yeah. do that in graduate school, right? They have a group mm-hmm. where each week someone chooses a paper and they talk about it. And I think that's a really useful thing. And I think when COVID happened, it, it was one of those things where this podcast filled the gap mm-hmm. to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's great. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, it reminds me that when we recorded the first episode, it was just the beginning of COVID, so it's a lot of changes since then. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's 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 really interesting now because I I didn't I didn't know where my research direction would go because at that time I was really heavy into the psych psychology of the language learner and and, mm. and anxiety, but I guess at the end of the day my interest was in silence. So it, it was mm-hmm. that, that instance where the, the learner was silent and I didn't know what to do. Right. So mm-hmm. I think I've always, silence was always the main thing. Mm-hmm. And I finally came to the right place. I think where it's, it was the silence was the main interest for me, mm-hmm. even though that maybe I was focusing on other factors around silence. So yeah, that's why yeah. it's kind of cool when I look back and that was episode one. That was the paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting um, the things to uh, the, uh, think, uh, think about it, uh, reflecting back what you talked about in the past. And uh, obviously it's connected to what you're doing now. So uh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, had, have, had you ever met Dat? bow face to face or you have just no 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 actually so i think you created uh, the opportunity for everybody to get connected so i think uh, the existence of this podcast is actually really uh special for many people yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of cool i, I kind of equate it to sort of like a big party yeah and you kind of yes. you kind of bump into people because dat bow he yes. wrote a chapter in in your yeah. book uh with yeah. jim king the East yeah. Asian perspectives mm-hmm. on silence. Yeah. So, no. yeah. And then you two are, are working on um, things moving forward, and then we're working together on, on this PhD. So, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, it's exciting, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I just, yeah. Oh, go, yeah, I was sorry, just motivated um, by your curiosity, just the pure curiosity that you wanted to know more about silence. Uh, especially in Japanese context. So I think that uh, moved everybody uh, to share a lot of things uh, we are doing. Well, yeah, and, and thanks to you, you were the yeah. first one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, when I received the email, I, I wasn't sure whether I am the right person to be the <laughs> guest. Um, yeah, but and, uh, I just and the, genuinely felt that you are interested in the article, so I thought, why not, and talking with you, so... That was the first thing, uh, yeah, happened. But I think, uh, I think I'm glad I um, talked to you that time. <laughs> yeah, and I, I hopefully it motivates other people because yes, yeah. uh, I know Kate Mayer. She she was mm-hmm. a little hesitant to to come on because she was very mm-hmm. shy, and and then uh, mm-hmm. Shada, who I who I talked mm-hmm. to recently. She yeah. also was hesitant to come on because she's very shy. Ah. So ah. <laughs> we, we kind of had that conversation where oh, I guess there's the there's a few type of personality groups that are interested in yeah. silence 
Some of yeah. them are researchers who are actually very shy themselves. Mm, yes, yes, yes. But maybe you and I aren't really in that category. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we started and it expanded. So that's great. Yeah, I'm really happy that you started this podcast for everybody. And uh, not only for you. Yeah. So um, that's great. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to... Um, we're not going to talk too long because I want people to listen to the yeah, interview yeah. we recorded. Yeah. But uh, okay. yeah. it'd be interesting to check back in three years what's going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, I think so. Yeah, let's see how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, everyone, th- this was just sort of a quick chat. Uh, please, please listen to uh, the rest of the episode that we recorded a while back. And please check out the paper. The, the links will be in the show notes. Thanks, Seiko. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Welcome back to Lost in Citations. Today's guest is Dr. Seiko Harumi at the School of Oriental and African Studies Department at the University of London. Dr. Harumi, welcome back to Lost in Citations. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me again here. Now, we're not going to talk about anything topical because we're recording this and we're not quite sure when we're going to release it. So we're just going to uh, pretend we're living in a, in a no sort of time zone. This could be any time. This could be, this could be 2015. This could be 2030. We, don't, we just don't know. We're, we're in this mysterious zone here. How, how, but, but maybe real quickly, um, yeah. without saying anything topical, how's mm-hmm. that? How's everything going? It's been a while since we talked, and you oh, yes, you were citation yeah. number one, of course. So yeah. if people haven't listened to that, please please push pause and and listen to that. It's yeah. it's great to speak to you again, and um, I think you're one of the main reasons why this this podcast uh, has been successful. If, if people go all the way back and they go back to citation one, they, they think, "Whoa, well, that was a good guest." <laughs> But at, at the time, at the time when we recorded Citation One, did you know that the podcast was just starting? Did or did uh, I tell you afterwards? <laughs> uh, I think you you just started. Uh, I got impression that you just start to build on the episode, but I, uh, obviously I wasn't sure how how long it's going to last and see how long and uh, you want to um, um, make recordings. But um, how many episodes do you have now? It's quite a lot. <laughs> well, I don't want to say the number because we don't know when we're going to be releasing <laughs> I see, this. Okay, okay, but, <laughs> but somehow I'll, I'll, I'll say I think this. It's more than fifty. Yeah. I'll say this. Um, yes. That. Since we recorded March 25th, 2020. Yes. Yeah. So by the time people listen to this, it's it, it's one episode per week wow. since that time and taking a I couple see. weeks off during the, the Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Ah, so, so. that's quite fast paced. Yeah, and, but I'm not doing I'm not doing mm-hmm. them all, as you know. Yes. Um, yes. So yes. my colleague Chris Haswell, and we're also. Um, we're we're accepting contributing inter interviewers, so if people are interested in contributing to this uh, project, uh, please mm-hmm. reach out at lostincitations at gmail dot com. We we mm. so we that that really helps. Um, and as yeah, the years yeah. go by, mm-hmm. I'd like to actually do less and be mm-hmm. more. We're kind of um, branding it as an audio journal. Mm-hmm. And I would, yes. I'm, I would be kind of the editor. So I, I would, you know, guide people on. I like this style of interview, like sort of a laid back conversation, conversational yes. approach. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. as it goes on, um, but that's that's kind of the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because my yeah, my that's... research interest is is you know it's kind of narrow. So I, I'd like to to welcome lots of different topics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I'm really pleased. And sometimes as a listener, I listen to some episodes. So uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying this podcast. That's great. And yeah, it's kind of cool because you know <laughs> some of the people. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so Simon Humphreys has been on the podcast and Dr. Jim King has been on the podcast and um, uh, Dr. Dat Bao has been on the podcast so it's... yeah, and yeah, and uh, Jenny Jenkins. Actually, when I was doing PhD, she oh. was finishing up her PhD. Oh, she just finished. So it was nice to see her on the podcast. Um, yeah, that was quite uh, interesting. Yeah, coincidence. That's, that's cool. 
All right. Um, well, maybe maybe when this podcast comes out, you'll 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 have had a chance to come back to Japan. And yeah, maybe, maybe the world will yes. open up a bit, but uh, yes, I hope so. Yeah, I really you, hope so. Yeah. If you come back to Japan, you should try to make a trip up to Fukuoka if you can. Yes, not, because not... I live uh, by my parents live quite close to Fukuoka, so they're in Nagasaki. So definitely. <laughs> yeah, that would that <laughs> would be like cool. To go to, yeah, it'd be great. Yes, that'd be great. Yes. All right. Well, let's jump into the paper. The name of the paper, or is this is this a book chapter? No, it's a paper. Okay. Yeah. The name of the paper is the... F- it's very long. That's why I asked. <laughs> <laughs> it's, very, it's very good, but it seemed, it, it's, it seemed kind of like a chapter to me. Uh, but I anyway, see. It, yes. anyway, the name yeah. of the article is the, fa- the Facilitative Use of Learner-Initiated Translanguaging in Japanese EFL Contexts. Now, what, what's the journal where this will be published in? Uh, this will be uh, the published with Applied Ling- uh, Pragmatics, which is quite a new journal from John Benjamin's. Can you can you tell me a little bit about the story of the journal? What, what, what you mentioned a name? I'm not familiar with that name. Oh, I see. Okay, it's a quite new journal. I think started a few years ago, and it's uh, the uh, accept the paper. Well, ex- uh, accept the papers. Uh, anything associated with pragmatics. So it's not necessarily with uh, uh, conversation analysis or very narrow down uh, the um, um, path. But um, so I think, uh, yeah, if you can look at the website, where if you Google applied mm-hmm. pragmatics, they, they show what kind of uh, papers already accepted or the, what kind of paper they are looking for. But my paper is uh, used uh, conversation analysis. And so it's obviously it's a part of pragmatics. So the name of the journal is Applied Pragmatics. That's right. Yes. So can you give me a definition? What What's the scope of, uh, I, I know I could look on the website, but I'd, I'd like to kind of get your, your definition. What would mm-hmm. be an example of something that would fall within the scope of applied pragmatics? And what would be something that would be outside the scope of that? I see. Actually, before I write for this uh, journal, um, I wasn't exactly sure that's what it means, applied pragmatics. Actually, if you look at, I, I actually Googled the the term itself, what it means, mm-hmm. a long time ago. And But uh, apart from that, uh, my interpretation of applied pragmatics is anything to do with the use of language mm-hmm. in social context. So mm-hmm. if you're looking at any kind of language behavior or language use in context, uh, no matter which methodology you use, uh, but I think it's some sort of uh, the belongs to the uh, pragmatics and applied means it's a little bit more flexible than the um, pure pragmatics um, because um, when you say pragmatics, some uh, pragmatics uh, journals narrow down to a very specific uh, genre of something like a, a speech act or the um, uh, the conversation analysis, but I think this journal accepts the papers uh, which looks at the use of language in social context uh, by using a different kind of uh, the methodology. So I think it's quite interesting journals, and I, right. I received very good um, the uh, the um, sort of uh, input from them. So I, I really recommend <laughs> people to All right. Try. So what came what came first? Your did the journal reach out to you or were you interested in the journal or did you write the paper first and then seek out the journal? Um, I wrote a paper first and then seek out the journal. So I thought it might be interesting to go for this one. I see. Yeah. So yeah. what was the, imp- what was the impetus of, of writing this paper? How did it, how did it come about? I see. Actually, this, this paper is quite meaningful for me because it was something a little bit new. Um, originally, um, I interviewed, well, I contacted one of the teachers in Japan uh, more than four years ago. And then I was, as you know, that I'm looking, I'm very interested in the use of silence in the Japanese EFL context. So I was hoping that I can get some sort of data with the use of silence uh, mm-hmm. in the one-to-one conversation and the Mm. sessions between a mm. teacher and individual students maybe you've done something similar and but after i listened to the uh, this recording and also the video 
watch the video. I noticed that the uh, I noticed the um, the use of L one very frequently, mm. and initially uh, as a language teacher, I wasn't very sure whether <laughs> this is a very good practice because um, usually, you know, that uh, we are told that uh, the oh, use of L one should be avoided both from teacher's side and the student side, and mm. so I wasn't sure um, the and. And also, then I initially started looking at teachers' use of L1 first. But then, actually, teacher didn't use that much L1. Then I shifted my focus to the uh, uh, students' use of L1. So that's how it started. And so usually, when you do the conversation analysis, the, the main principles is you look at unmotivated looking. You look at the data. And just you try to see the patterns, how people um, communicate. So that's how I um, started looking into this topic. How about your case? And that you 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 might have some idea uh, your principle about the use of one. Um, well, yeah, that's what I wanted to kind of talk to you about because yes. it seems logical. So for I mean, as I guess everyone kind of says, as you progress through levels or mm. if your aptitude increases you have the less you have less of a need to use l1 so yeah. as you're like a beginner you're always going to sort of fall back almost like a crutch mm-hmm. and then as you become intermediate maybe there's a vocabulary word you just want to know what the meaning is and you, you just can't mm-hmm. find it. but I, I think as you progress through the levels the goal i think is to stay within the l2 as much as possible because I think yeah. a lot of a lot of things, a big problem that happens to to L one speakers. Uh, sorry, the, the big thing that happens to people learning languages, myself included, was mm-hmm. I. Well, personally speaking, I would get so frustrated, mm-hmm. and it would just totally stop me from continuing. Mm-hmm. And as I got a little bit better at Japanese, I realized, look, you don't have to speak perfectly, but the goal you need to get around the obstacle, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think it is an, is an, is it is an important skill to at least develop that sort of patience to say, okay, it doesn't need to be perfect. But at the same time, when you're a beginner, it's almost, it's, I think it's really stressful to, to be given a constraint where you cannot go back to L1. Mm, Even as sort yeah. of like a stressful thing. If, if someone is, is stopping you from doing that, mm-hmm. I don't know. It could be motivating. I, I mean, that's, that's an interesting debate. I mean, and you mentioned it in the mm-hmm. paper. Uh, I think you said... In the paper, you quoted someone, uh, the use of L1, particularly as a form of code switching, has traditionally been been seen as contrary to the ultimate goal of oral proficiency, in which Mm. monolingual, spontaneous, and accurate use of language is emphasized and considered as the key to successful oral interaction. Now, someone like you, who's, you know, it's so advanced in the second language that you can do an interview in the second language. I mean, what do you think about that? And I guess uh, that also would lead into the question of wh- wh- what kind of students you chose for this study. What, what level mm. what level of English did they have? I see. Yeah, and the um, um, I think uh, I actually agree with what you said about the use of L two. Uh, ultimately, I think uh, that the more they progress with their proficiency, I think uh, well, even the beginner students, I think uh, if if they can try to express things in L2, I think I should encourage it. And I noticed that the majority of students, they want to do that. Uh, they don't want to opt for the L1. They try to mm-hmm. avoid it. But on the other hand, when I looked at this data, I noticed that they trying to use L1 to maintain the interaction. So it's not necessarily uh, uh, using it because, of course, maybe it's a sort of a yes and no. Um, they my, of course, they're using it because they don't have equivalent uh, resource in L2. But on the other hand, by using L1, they are able to maintain the interaction. That's mm-hmm. something, one big step uh, for them and for me as a teacher. I, I'm not doing this, Andy. I, I wasn't the participant with this and the um, uh, conversation uh, class, uh, mm-hmm. but as a teacher, as you know, that uh, it's related to the uh, use of silence as well. Instead of uh, being completely silent, uh, I think it's still good that they try to use some resources they have. So that's a sort of uh, the perspective I, I started looking at use of L1. Well, that's a good point. I mean, if the goal mm-hmm. is to maintain interaction, 
Yeah. I, I think a, a teacher would prefer someone uh, trans language. I don't. I'm, I I don't know how to use that word. I don't know what the, what's yeah. the part of speech. Is that a verb? Uh, if, a, <laughs> yes. if a student trans languages, uh, mm. maybe that's better than staying silent from the teacher's perspective. You know. Yeah. And, but someone like Dat Bao might say, "Oh, from the student perspective, maybe it's better for them to stay silent." Mm, um, if yeah. they're really, if they're, cause he calls it productive silence, right? Where they're processing yeah, the yeah. information and they're yeah. actually building up that tolerance to get around the obstacle. So that's mm. an interesting perspective. I do think the teacher would prefer it because then they can, mm. they can target where the student needs help. Mm. But, but I think I don't know. it's, in, yeah, I think it's important thing is the, um, the context of this mm. uh, conversation. I think, uh, you might notice that this is the uh, sort of, um, uh, planned, uh, so the planned, uh, the one-to-one conversation practice. Uh, mm. I, I was quite interested in the, this teacher's approach to, uh, facilitate the students' inter- oral, uh, interaction because he thought that the ultimately, because it's very difficult for the Japanese students speak up in, uh, teacher-fronted classes, he tried to run this, uh, so the one-to-one conversation practice sessions. Uh, mm-hmm. twice a time, which is quite a lot of effort. Yeah. Um, but um, I think he, he could see that some progress in terms of the output from students, not necessarily all everything in L2, but, you know, as I said before, the, to maintain the interaction, try to engage in the uh, sort of interaction. And so um, I think in that sense, and I think and the... Um, the aim of this uh, session from his side, from teacher's side, is try to uh, elicit any kind of utterances from the students. So <laughs> in this case, in this case, uh, just to give you a, a time to practice, uh, you know, the uh, sort of how to communicate in L2. Yeah. And obviously Did... it's, yeah. Okay, oh, go ahead. Gone. Oh, I was just wondering if, if he considered pairing students instead of doing teacher student like a mm. i think it would help logistically because you could get through mm. students faster yeah. and b mm. maybe there's less anxiety there's less anxiety talking to a teacher as opposed to the student was that considered mm. he actually didn't mention about that option and i think he tried to be one of the person the experts to try to elicit uh, the, ah, uh, the output yeah um, but I think it might be quite interesting. Um, but uh, uh, as you might uh, see that their proficiency level actually, because they are um, first year students, uh, university students, so 18. And mm-hmm. so um, they have quite a lot of knowledge already. You know, the, they can read uh, newspapers in a way using the dictionaries. But uh, when it comes to the oral uh, interaction, the, the mm-hmm. use of language is very limited. Um, yeah, so that's uh, the context of this um, study. I see. Okay, so you reached you reached out to this teacher, and mm-hmm. initially you were sort of going to be looking for periods of silence, and you're going to analyze yes. that. And then as you yeah. as you as you reviewed the conversations, you just noticed this pattern of of translanguaging happening yes. over yes. and over again. That's and right. you, and as an observer, as someone who's analyzing the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, objectively, you saw mm-hmm. it as a positive thing. Yes, only after I analyzed the data. When I was listening in the, uh, you know, ne- well, classroom, mm-hmm. I thought it's really, uh, I thought the communication is not going well. I mean, the, in terms of the use of L1, because so this paper actually, this study changed my perspective with the use of L1. Mm. Well, let's let's go through the the eight facilitative uses of l1 now mm-hmm. these eight how, where did you where did this list come from is this is this all your own findings or is this something that you were drawing on from others as well uh it yeah it's uh, i drew from uh, some of the other um the papers because uh, uh, the use of what either in code switching or trans languaging uh, I think quite a lot of paper actually looked at the use of L1, uh, especially the use of L1 by teachers. And uh, so there are some and the um, the functions which I already mentioned in the other uh, papers too. But mm-hmm. uh, the context of this one-to-one session and also the one initiated by learner, 
uh, it's quite rare. So uh, this is something I added in this paper. Okay, so the translanguaging initiated by the learner. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the, the you, you feel is the key contribution of this paper. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, and it's it's going back to what you said before. They're doing it to maintain the connection and to yes, maintain the right. conversation. Yes, yes, because I see. Um, yeah, because the context of this uh, task, this specific task, actually is quite important uh, to say that because uh, the context is that students are given a chance to prepare a topic. And they mm-hmm. start off with talking about their favorite topic for the first two or three minutes. And then the uh, teachers start asking questions and develop uh, the conversation. So the inevitably students have to take initiative, uh, to, for, for this practice. So mm. that's something a little bit different in the te- uh, com- compared to the teacher and floated class. I see. All right. Well, let's, let's go through this list and maybe mm-hmm. you can, 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 Either at, you know, give some of your um, thoughts on it, or something interesting that 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 you you found. Now, this order, this list, mm-hmm. is there a particular order to it? So it's yeah, it's, it's, uh, okay. yeah, uh, one to eight. Actually, the one is it's it's more uh, in terms of the complexity of the. I uh, saw so the the number one is more simple one, quite easy to detect. And number eight is more, most complicated one uh, within the data and how students try to negotiate with the use of L1. So if you look at the data, uh, you can see that uh, the what kind of uh, the use uh, use of L1 is uh, evidenced in this uh, discourse. Now, how much time did it take you to go through all of these interviews? Oh, a lot. Uh, <laughs> How did you receive uh, the data? Was this uh, all sent by I, I was Google there. Drive? Yeah, I was. No, no, no. I was there. I, I uh, stayed with them. I had permission, and the, oh, okay. uh, the so so my presence. I haven't mentioned in this paper, but my presence might have affected in some ways because mm. I was just uh, sitting uh, in the place. They can't see me, but I was in the same room and I was listening and taking notes. And so um, it was, it might have affected uh, the students, you know, psychological sort of process. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely mm. get a bit, <laughs> I don't know if it's <laughs> a human nature, but if someone's observing, yeah. I immediately think yeah. that it's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it can be. It can be. Yes, that's right. Yeah, like when like uh, if yeah. someone's observing, like for example, when I first started teaching, and someone would come and observe the class and start taking notes, yeah. it would totally yeah. throw me off. Now it doesn't bother yeah. me so much. Yeah, what are they? Yeah. What are they? Or you you see that in movies a lot of times when someone's sitting and talking to like the therapist. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the therapist yeah. starts to yeah. write notes and they immediately look up yeah. and say, what, what are you writing? What did you, what, what, what's, what did I say? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. But the, um, but on the other hand, they're already given a task and they are asked to uh, do this for the, the assessment in some ways. I think uh, they can get a sort of, you know, that's uh, just one point for the completing this task or something. So they are sort of, uh, sort of, concentrating on what what they expected to do so the situation is a little bit uh, different from just doing it and the other practice yeah all right so all right so extract one and you're talking about translanguaging use for the connect um used as a continuer for topic management okay and mm-hmm. then this conversation uh was about driving school and the mm-hmm. notes are kind of interesting. I mean, you uh, these were your notes, I guess, uh, averting eyes. Um, and then the 3.2, is that the amount of seconds that elapsed before somebody? Yes, that's right. Yeah. I see. Okay. So that's kind of interesting um, to map the conversation like this. And the ups and downs, is that inflection? Sorry, I still haven't reached that extract. <laughs> okay. So, uh, oh, so you're looking at extract one? Yeah, page 17. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What the yeah. arrows are? Is that is that tonality? What does that mean? Oh, uh, yeah. It's a sort of a, a sort of rising tone. Uh, the uh, pitch goes up and okay. the, yeah, and it goes down. Yeah. Okay. And so the main translanguaging here was the Japanese use of a. Was the that the main, main? Was that was that the main 
reverting back main, to L1? The main one is uh, line 12 of uh -huh. uh, use of de, de ah. and a. Uh. Yeah. Uh, it's quite interesting that you notice the at first because I also originally wanted to try to look at the use of reactive tokens like like that, uh -huh. but um, I wasn't able to uh, sort of um, uh, look at in details because uh, it's another it can be another paper that the use of reactive tokens like e or a is can be you know very similar to uh, other languages like english and the you know the how you draw the distinction with it completely l1 or l2 it's another debate but in this uh, extract uh, line 12 that uh, is the the focus of the analysis so you can see the arrow and uh, next to the number i see so mm -hmm. for someone reading along can we mm -hmm. go over some of these how you've coded this Mm -hmm. Now, if this is an established coding system, I apologize because I'm, I'm not really familiar with it. So no, no, the, no, no, no. the arrows uh, reflect tonality mm -hmm. and then the number reflects uh, pause. Uh, occasionally, you have a parentheses around a period. Mm -hmm. Does that What does that mean? So just if it's, for example, if you look at number 13, line number 13, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's just a, a length of pose, a length of so silence. I mean, yeah. like, for example, line number four, mm -hmm. you have good, and then you have a parentheses ah, I see, I see. and a period. Okay. Oh, what this is the, um, the, you know, the first one. Um, that one is the, um, the, the volume is going up and the ending volume is, and also the speed is going up and then going slowly. Ah, that's volume mm. and speed. Yeah, yeah. I see. Okay. All right. So, all right. So that's the first conversation, connectiveness for topic management. And then you talk about floor maintenance device, floor holding mm -hmm. devices. What, what exactly mm -hmm. does that mean? Sorry, you're looking at extract two, is it? Yeah, um, so you introduce you introduce interaction maintenance oh, yes. and floor yeah. maintenance before extract two. Yeah. So yeah. was that also something that was used in extract one? Uh, yeah, maybe some of the phenomena is sort of included in the other extract two. Yeah. I see. Okay. Um, yeah. So floor maintenance is, uh, as you can see, that A in Japanese it's, it's equivalent. Let me see. So I sort of buying time before mm. the next uh, the word. So it's in that way you can keep your floor. Uh, it's indicate you want to talk. Uh, we want to continue to talk. Yeah, that's one of the other uh, device. Yeah. Okay, and then extract three. You. Uh, it's about explicit word search. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ex okay. Explicit so, word search. Word search, yeah. So, for example, if you are exploring some words uh, in Japanese and English, uh, I think you would talk to yourself, isn't it? And mm. the, in this case, the students uh, uttered this in L1, and uh, the person said, Are nandake? And, mm. but after that, uh, these students were able to renew the eye contact with the teacher and mm. then they uh, started producing more sentences or the phrase in L2. So, mm. uh, from this uh, analysis, uh, the use of words here, I think actually this person used L1 only line four. Um, but afterwards he or she is able to, um, the, um, talk in English, even it's um, the broken English, I think uh, he was able to respond to teachers' questions. All right, so I guess this might be a topic we should talk about later in the episode, but mm -hmm. are these voluntary or involuntary? Uh, what do you mean, the, this uh, the The translation? Like reverting back to the L1. Do you I think... See. It's, it's, I think it's voluntary. And also another fact here I need to tell you that is that teacher is uh, fluent and he uh, wants, uh, well, he, he can, he's an American English teacher, mm -hmm. but, um, he was able, he, he's quite advanced in Japanese. Uh, mm -hmm. so, uh, he was able to understand, uh, the, uh, students use of L1. So that's made quite a lot of, uh, difference 
in this data. I see. Okay, so they knew that he knew Japanese. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So even he didn't encourage to use L1. I think students was knew that they they could, if they say something in L1, teacher could understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, did he react in some way when they used their L1, or did he kind of keep um, a poker face? I think he tried to reply in L2 whenever they uh, tried to say L1. It's, it's not in a, a forceful way, but uh, he tries to bridge a sort of conversation by, you know, this sometimes substituting word or sometimes extra questions. So in a way, he was quite skillful afterwards. So uh, teachers, I think, uh, language background, I, I actually, I think it's made a difference with this uh, interaction. Okay, and the next one is lexical gap fillers. What 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 mm -hmm. does that mean? Oh, lexical gap fillers is that uh, if you don't know the the word in in English, they utter the word in Japanese for L one first, and then and then they transfer to the L two. Mm -hmm. It's interesting on line six um, of mm -hmm. extract four. Yeah, we have the e to um, sort of the. Uh, the utterance of of when you're thinking about something. Yes, that's uh, right. And it's kind of interesting because I I think some my friend uh, Sean, who's really good mm -hmm. at Japanese, mm -hmm. I was telling him like something that was kind of one one thing that made my Japanese weird is I was always uttering uh in English when I was speaking Japanese because mm -hmm. it just felt yeah. so uncomfortable for me to go ah no. <laughs> no, eto. Yes. But then uh -huh. after he says, you just gotta, you just gotta start practicing that. And I once see. I started even just practicing that, mm -hmm. it made it made it it felt more comfortable speaking Japanese. Oh really? Be That's because, interesting. Because people, people were. I think teachers told me or someone told me that it's like something's really strange about your Japanese. And I think that was one of the big ones. Mm. I just wasn't going ano or eto. Mm. <laughs> and I think it's kind of interesting here because. I'm glad you pointed that out because eto, mm -hmm. e, or eto ano, mm. that's that is L one, but it's 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 more like a, a you know it's like a gap fill thinking. Word. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point as well. Yes, that's right. So I think looking at these fillers, it's quite interesting too. Uh, but I think you need more uh, study and data. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, next one is um, understanding displays. Understanding mm -hmm. displays. What, is, what yeah. does that mean? Uh, I think uh, because uh, teacher asked question first, and so the but students uh, answered with a mixture of L one and L actually the the second line is actually L one. So mm -hmm. at least by saying that, even it's in L one, it shows that he understood uh, teacher's question. So mm -hmm. it's uh, yeah, it it shows the um, understanding. So that's why this uh, the um, topic is uh, put here. Okay, and the next one, clarification requests. Mm -hmm. So this is when request. someone is. This is when they don't understand what the teacher's saying. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. And uh, so uh, just uh, I think uh, students used L one. Uh, I think in this case, I think it's more like, uh, you know, unconsciously just to use the ha or hi in Japanese. <laughs> and the, uh, I think you can uh, sort of uh, the see the uh, situation that it's just genuinely uh, reacted in that way. And, mm. But um, but then the, that sound made teacher to repeat the question uh, in a full mm -hmm. sentence. And then the student was able to answer the question. So you can see that from one to four, mm. and it's a sort of a continuous continuous interaction, even it's a sort of bumpy in many sense. Uh, yes, mm -hmm. so, yeah. And then moving on, then confirmation checks. Mm -hmm. Confirmation checks. It's extract seven. Yes. Okay. So. Um, so as I said to you, and the uh, teacher uh, planned this activity, asking students to prepare some topic. So because in this case, students didn't um, uh, 
start uh, the conversation from himself. So mm-hmm. I think he he prompted, "Oh, you you start <laughs> your topic." So the uh, <laughs> students actually uh, asked the question uh, in, in Japanese whether his understanding is okay or correct. And uh, so uh, that, this is a very tiny uh, interaction. Uh, I mean, tiny. A sort of time exchanges, but I think it's, it shows again the students' uh, understanding of teachers' question and use the students' use to check the understanding. Mm. Mm. And then the last uh, on the list, number eight, explicit request for assistance. Yes, that's right. Uh, this is. Uh... Yeah, this is very similar to um, the previous one, but you can see that line one, three, five, mm-hmm. teacher asked the same question in slightly different ways. And then the after, uh, um, the, after the three question asked, the student uh, finally able to check what he, mm-hmm. the meaning of question and they use Japanese. So it's very similar to the one extract seven. Um, but uh, this is another example uh, to ensure the understanding. Okay, so for people that are required to, you know, what 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 happens if your your boss tells you you're not allowed? I mean, you're, mm. you said the teacher in this study re- refrain from engaging in Japanese. Mm. Is there? A practical set of guidelines that you you could recommend to teachers is this, is this like a blueprint that you could provide people that look when it goes to L one it could mean these varied things. Mm. Um, it seems it seems like you said that the teacher his response was just to continue uh, to speak in English. Um, yes, is this that's right. is, is this yeah. something that like you would want to give teachers? Uh, is it is it more something they should be aware of? Because you, like you said, you mentioned the only rea- the best reaction is possibly just to continue speaking in, in the L two. Mm. In, in this case, yes, and uh, it depends on the um, uh, sort of a context and uh, nature of task, of course. And the mm. I think in principle the L two use should be encouraged, but in mm. case there is a, a condition that L one use can um, be a helpful resource to continue the conversation. It can be allowed, I think. Uh, so it depends on the, uh, the context and tasks and the policy of the teachers. Uh, how about you? Do, do you make any policy with use of L1 or do you don't actually mention about in your classroom? Um, I, I, because my Japanese is not so good, I, I actually try to speak more Japanese than maybe other teachers. Oh, I see. Uh, That's interesting. Uh, um, w- why is and that? I, I think the main reason is I just think Japanese students are so afraid to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I find if, if, if they see someone willing to try, it gives mm-hmm. them more confidence to try to speak English. And yes. it's also kind of the reverse psychology of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Often I might speak in Japanese and I can see them trying to speak in English. I see. Because at least like kind of like what you're saying, like I bridged the gap where they understood my question. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have to worry about that part. You know, Mm. you know, speaking, Mm. you have to understand the question and then respond. That's really hard sometimes. Mm. So Mm. at least they understood the question and they could speak back Mm. in in English. Mm. Um, Or even like if it may be scaffolding, like you talked about scaffolding in the paper, possibly I might say something in Japanese, they respond in Japanese and then I'll say, you know, well, how do you say that in English? Like, you know, ego day. So mm. it's just like a three-step process sometimes. Mm. Yes. I guess it, yes. it depends on mm. the level. But I have noticed that if they see me struggling in Japanese but not reacting mm. to it and, mm. not, mm. and not – like I think students need to be – at least my, my, my opinion, Japanese students need to be shown models of people making mistakes and moving on. Oh, just that's so they interesting. Can, yeah. How they can get over it. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's this idea of like perfection, right? Or perfect mm-hmm. performance. Yeah. I think you even talked about in the paper, the notion of faultless discourse. It's just not, yes, it's just, it's right. ridiculous. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you're learning, the whole yes. idea is kind of make mistakes, right? 
Yes, so that's right. I, in my experience, I feel Japanese learners are much more afraid of making mistakes than other learners. I mean, what what do you、mm. think about that? Yeah, do you agree I think or、so. disagree? Yes, yeah. Recently, I, I read、uh, another article、uh, written by a Japanese scholar, and then, then yeah, she compared the uh, uh, interactional style、uh, in American、uh, the graduate classroom, and then the、mm-hmm. uh, the majority of East Asian learners they put emphasis on the accuracy of the answer. So I think、mm-hmm. yeah, it can be a sort of a one. Big aspects. You cannot see it、uh, the, if you just jump into the context, but actually that's something you know going on for a long time, and it's it's not easy to change、uh, that sort of attitude. I think so. I think what you're doing by using L1, it's actually helping the learners. I think emotionally and also you know I, I think linguistically they might try to yeah、uh, sort of uh, the、um, To push themselves, so I think that's great. In a in a previous job, I had students that were, you know, in an English program, and they were much,、mm-hmm. they were very serious about English, and they were concentrated on English, and、mm-hmm. and I was very strict about、uh, no L one use.、Mm. I I was very strict about it because I thought they could do it.、Mm. Um, I see. Yeah. And、mm. so and so even some of my tests. I think、uh, I would. I would even from the beginning of class to the end of class, I would dock points if they spoke in、um, English,、mm-hmm. uh, because they were advanced students. They they had chosen to study English, and、yeah. let's be honest: if you're living in a foreign country, your opportunities to practice are very small. Yeah. So I wanted them to take it like seriously, especially you know,、mm. it's university. You're paying money, like you should、mm-hmm. get your money's worth. <laughs> you know, you should yes, every yes, every yes, minute. Yes. But the students I'm teaching now, I mean, they're required to take English, yes, and yeah. their level is not that high. And even you talk、mm. to them, a lot of them have never traveled outside of Japan.、Mm. Um, a lot of them have no desire to travel outside of Japan.、Mm-hmm. A lot of them have never really talked to a foreigner before.、Mm-hmm. Um, they don't. They, like I, I, I ask them what their goals are for English, and they don't really have any.、Mm-hmm. And so then、yeah. I'll try to like introduce goals. Well, hey, let's imagine maybe one day in Fukuoka, you you run、wow. into a foreigner at a restaurant.、Uh, you could have you could have this little conversation maybe, and they say, "Oh, yeah, okay, that sounds maybe that could happen." <laughs> But there's not really yeah, a huge、right. yeah. there's not really yeah, a huge drive that,、yeah. for it. Yeah, I think proficiency level the yeah the big factor, and and also the、uh, as you changed your approach to different group of students, I think. That's I think that's the best way because、uh, the, every teaching context is different. So、And、I agree per- with what you said. Personally, like、um, my Japanese teacher now,、mm-hmm. she she rarely uses English, only for certain vocabulary words.、Mm, like、yeah. she'll just say one word. Um, and、see. even and that's and I and I wanted that teacher. So even before. I I contacted her like, or even before we started lessons, she said,、mm-hmm. um, "All my my lessons are 100% in Japanese. Can you handle that?" I said,、mm-hmm. "Yes, yeah, yeah,、mm-hmm. that's cool. I want that. That's what I want." Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. I, and I don't I don't want books that have so much English in it.、Mm-hmm. It's just my own personality. I don't I, I get、mm-hmm. kind of distracted.、Um, mm-hmm. Like even before I took the Japanese the JLPT the Japanese test this past、mm-hmm. year, like for、mm-hmm. three weeks I did no English.、Mm-hmm. No English TV,、mm, no English radio. I just cut it all out. Wow! Because I thought,、What? like, I have to, I have to try. Like, I have to.、Mm. Like, it's like, I, I, I can't, I can't do both at the same time. Like, if I have to、mm. write an academic paper, I'll、mm. be doing that, right? Yeah. And if、mm-hmm. I have to study Japanese, I'll be doing that. Like, that's、mm. kind of my personality. I can't, I can't. I don't know. Some people can like, oh, I'll study Japanese for two hours in the morning, then I'll write my acad- academic stuff at night. No way, I can't do that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. I yeah, that's your your practices. That's great. Yeah, you're determined. What, what about you? When you were, you know, you know, coming up through the ranks and and becoming proficient in English, and then taking it to the next step of being an academic in English, and、mm. and then moving to a foreign country, like, did, like. <laughs> had, Yeah, I didn't. Miles、um, about me. Hmm. I I don't know. Um. 
the use of L1 wasn't uh, sort of uh, not my interest for a long time until I, <laughs> I see this and uh, the uh, data. But um, I think in my uh, the practice, uh, you know, the, as a, a t- student of learning English and the um, what's that? And the becoming a, a teacher of English and then coming mm-hmm. to the foreign countries, I think uh, I think the use of L1 is actually not in my mind. <laughs> so I try to use L2. So I, actually, I was against the use of L1 as a mm. learner. Um, mm. But uh, after I see this, and also the, there is one quite interesting episode from my Japanese class. Um, uh, once a time, I arranged... Uh, uh, interaction between Japanese native speaker and students learning Japanese. Nice. And the, this year, uh, I did it with Skype. So the, uh, they meet, uh, somebody completely new, never met before. Cool. So they only talk, uh, in a Skype for the first time. So obviously this is very different. A sort of a survival, uh, <laughs> practice session. Great. And the one student, um, one student, um, said afterwards, they, they obviously uh, have to, to try to communicate as long as uh, possible, as much as possible. And the one student said, the, um, when I had difficulties to, um, to communicate, and he said he used a uh, chat and, uh, you know, they can use chat. And also mm-hmm. I asked questions in English. And then uh, I uh, was able to learn the meaning in Japanese and also and he was able to com- continue to communicate. That's something similar to what I was looking at. Uh, that particular episode he experienced, the student experienced, was quite meaningful for him. And uh, so I think in that sense, I think uh, the use of L1 can be a quite good tool or resource to learn something new. Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like we lose we lose track. That's so cool you did that because I, I feel like we we all kind of lose track in these curricula. You know that the idea is, you know, the, it should be preparing people to use the uh, the language in real situations. Mm. And in a real situation, stuff might happen, right? Like like that's a perfect example. Uh, yes, okay. Yeah. I, I, okay. Mm. I lost. What am I going to do? Okay. Well, I'll just type into the chat or I'll use it. Yes. Know. Yeah. Now the, the, maybe the different practice is next time you choose an English speaker that uh, a Japanese uh, person who doesn't know English <laughs> and then see what they're going to do. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's actually good practice. Yeah. So the you know the students uh, had to within one hour they had to change the partners every ten minutes, fifteen minutes. So they they don't know what kind of people they're talking to. It can be a teacher, it can be uh, somebody who don't understand English very uh, very well. And actually, the uh, people who volunteered they actually told me that they're not very confident with English. So I think it's a very interesting uh, uh, context. But uh, somehow they enjoy <laughs> this uh, kind of survival and practice. So I think um, I think uh, each task has a different kind of role to facilitate the interaction. So th- that's well, one of the uh, examples. Yeah. I kind of have an interesting uh anecdote about this as well because i recently started taking karate lessons oh i see okay and it's really it's really fascinating um because first of all my japanese is not that great and now i now i have to learn a whole new set of vocabulary words right how Mm -hmm. all the all these moves in japanese Mm -hmm. and uh i noticed my japanese teacher he's 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 like 80 years old right Mm -hmm. um and I know in the first two lessons, he didn't mm-hmm. speak English at all. And then the third mm-hmm. lesson, he mm-hmm. could tell I was just struggling. For me, the karate is hard, right? But the mm-hmm. Japanese is actually harder. Like the oh, actual community. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I notice every now and again, he's speaking English more to me. I so see. He, That's interesting. <laughs> and so it goes back to your uh, number one, connecting, like yeah. to, to, to maintain the conversation, the topic management. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he'll say opposite side or mm-hmm. strong or mm-hmm. or it, like he knows words in english and even even mm. one word is enough to help us oh okay like, yeah yeah 
because there's so many words that I, I just don't know. So it is kind of interesting. I think I think people will naturally sort of sense. Yes. Uh, even if they're if they're if the if the communication sort of stalled, right? Mm. I mean, beyond like left foot or right foot, like I know that. But mm-hmm. some of these moves are like quite complicated, and you have to put your bodies in your body in different positions, and mm. and then it was kind of funny because. After after one of the lessons, like some of the other uh, guys in the class, like the black belts, are like, "Oh, how's it going?" Mm. And I said, "I said to be honest, the, the Japanese is more difficult than the karate." Yeah, <laughs> and they I and they got a bit that. upset. They're like, "Oh, really? All right, we'll make it mm. more difficult for you." It's like, "No, no, no, the karate is difficult too. Please <laughs> don't make it more difficult." <laughs> like they took That's it funny. like, "Oh, the karate's easy." I was like, "No, no, no, they're both hard. It's just the Japanese is more." <laughs> Is more difficult. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, the same thing happens to me quite a lot. Uh, you know, even when I go to the hospital, if you, if you want to explain the uh, some symptom you have and the, and you you need to really look into the words you want to express, and then the I think uh, that sort of survival situation in your case karate and uh, the practice session and in my case just a daily sort of communication. Oh, um, yeah can be a quite good place to to practice <laughs> well i mean that's Language. that's right yeah. because we can't prepare yeah. our students for every situation no no right like you said medical medical vocabulary yes that can be extremely hard. difficult because we don't use it right <laughs> No, no. So uh, when I had children, I, I looked at a lot of uh, the vocabularies uh, relating to, the, you know, the maternity things. But now uh-huh. I've forgotten already. And so, but uh, when you need it, you just look into the word. And at that time, you actually understand <laughs> and, uh, what the other person is saying in English. So um, that's, uh, yeah, that's sort of a situation. Um, yeah. Well, is this an emerging research field? Because I think... Simon Humphreys is also doing some publications on translanguaging. Yeah, I think I, the other day I went to the conference and see, you know, that I noticed the last few years, especially, and the, the word translanguaging is appearing much more. And But I think translanguaging can mean different things uh, in different contexts. I think originally it's something related to the identity, but in this case it's not. And so... Um, yeah, it's interesting word. It's pretty difficult to spell. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know how yeah. to use it in a sentence. I need to practice it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Well, any uh, any any final thoughts on the paper? I think we hit all the topics. Or do we, do we miss anything? Yeah, I think just I want to mention the last episode of this uh, extract, the final episode. Mm-hmm. And this one was quite interesting one. Um, extract nine because mm-hmm. in this case and um, the uh, teacher wasn't teacher couldn't understand the japanese word there was a mm-hmm. word so there was a problem from the beginning and oh. the word kosotai have you ever heard that word kosotai i don't think so uh, it's a sports competition so it's okay. actually abbreviated word so it's uh-huh. very difficult to understand unless you're very familiar with it. And so the, this and uh, the interaction study with the problem with student side, not able to express himself. And also a teacher uh-huh. couldn't understand <laughs> the Japanese. Right. This episode is quite interesting. Yes. Yeah. I think there are cases like that. Yeah. But then there was this episode, the students and the, um, trying to take control and he tried to uh, uh try to um specify the word he wants to know in english and then he just tried to negotiate and that's quite interesting example <laughs> can i real quick I, can i just tell you the uh, story of the worst case of uh misunderstanding in my time in japan yes yes please when i when i so when I, I came to Japan for one year in 2007 and I worked at the, um, the Eikaiwa Eon. Do you know mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. Eikaiwa? Yeah. yeah. And so here, this, I was first, and I, I didn't know any Japanese, right? And I guess mm-hmm. we were doing like a very beginning conversation. And I said, mm-hmm. I said, it was something like, what did you do before you came to Eon? Or what, mm-hmm. or what did you do before you came to class today? Something like that. Right? Yeah. Very yeah, simple okay. sort of warm up. Yeah. And her yeah. English wasn't that good, but she 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 uh-huh. said she said eon. And oh. I said no 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 no. <laughs> what did you do before you came to eon? And she said eon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> and it just kept going on like this. And I, oh I just, I, and I wanted to quit. Do you, so do you, do you know, do you know what the problem was? What, what, what's the, she, she, she just, um, no, actually I couldn't see that's the exact problem. Okay. What, what's the, the problem? She is, wasn't able in, to understand. Nope. The problem was in Japan, there are Eon shopping malls. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. No. Oh, yeah. I know that shopping mall, but I didn't connect instantly with that Eon so shopping she mall. Was, she did it. She, she, before she went to the Eon Eikaiwa, she mm-hmm. went to the Eon shopping mall. I see. She I went see. shopping. Was she smi- I see. Was she smiling? I don't think so. I see. So she was very serious about um, telling uh, Eon. <laughs> I guess she was just nervous. I, I but I it, see. It, it, so that was the worst. Because uh, I see. How, how did you resolve? I think I just went home and drank six beers. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Oh my god! It's uh, never ending. Well, that's so the problem. When, how... Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, how did you find out she is talking about Eon shopping mall? I think I can't. I you know I can't remember how I resolved it. I think it. I, I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was resolved in that class. Mm-hmm. I might have just I moved see. on because I we were re- we were required to only speak in English, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I might have just said, "Okay, let's just start the lesson." Then, I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. And then afterwards, stuff. my friend Sean said, "I think she's talking about Eon shopping malls." I was like, "Oh my gosh! Why didn't anyone tell me?" <laughs> I see. Wow, that's very interesting. Uh, that was the, that was the worst yeah. case of miscommunication I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. So I think conversation interaction is very interesting <laughs> to look at. Yeah, you just right. need a lot of time and patience to look at these. But um, yes, I think right. it's quite interesting. All right. Well, um, again, the name of the paper is The Facilitative Use of Learner-Initiated Translanguaging in Japanese EFL Contexts. I will put a link uh, so people can read the paper. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Lost in Citations. Thank you. If you'd like to contact the show, The best place to find out about us is our website, lostincitations.com. Here you can learn more about the background to this project and how you can get involved. Our hope is to help academics, educators, and online content producers get in contact with each other. Our email address is lostincitations at gmail.com. We also have Facebook and LinkedIn pages. Please rate and comment on the sites you use to download your podcasts. It helps us reach more potential listeners. But probably the most helpful thing you can do is, if you like our content, recommend it to a friend and let them know what we're trying to do. Thank you very much.